0: It's, time. it's time. T- time for the hard-hitting analysis you won't find anywhere else. Here's former Super Bowl winning scout Brian Broaddus and Bobby Belt. Ten, five
1: victory! Cowboys win! This is Love of the, the Star. 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 Welcome to the Love of the Star podcast. I am your host, Bobby Belt, Dallas Cowboys insider for 105 Through The Fan. Joined, as always, by my co-host, Brian Broaddus, also from 105 Through The Fan. He's co-host of the G-Bag Nation Monday through Friday, 2 to 7 p.m., and also a former Super Bowl-winning NFL scout. Brian, how you doing, man?
0: I'm doing excellent, Robert. Thank you very much. Good being with you as always.
1: Yeah, and we got some uh, good news. You guys are are just overwhelming us with your support so far. We, were, we got a couple emails from, from the big bosses, and they're they're very happy about how you guys are tuning in, and so we appreciate all your support so far. We've got a lot of great stuff coming for you guys as we get into training camp uh, and, and get closer to the season when there's some more of this stuff that we can dive into and and some greater storylines. But, uh, I don't know about you, Brian, but I mean, outside of just that, I kind of had a sense we were, we were doing pretty well because we've just gotten such great interaction with people on social media and and things like that.
0: Well, no, that's the, that's the thing. You're absolutely right, Bob. To me, I, people are very passionate about this football team and anything you could do, uh, you know, with you being an insider, me being a former scout and all those things, I, I kind of feel like that we could, we could, we could do a, we can have a different perspective on really what's going on, you know, other than some other podcasts. I, and there's a lot of great podcasts out there. Don't get me wrong. Sure. But I'm really looking forward to when we can get to two weeks from tomorrow that we'll all be in Oxnard and we can start this, this, this grind together when it comes to, this football team and, you know, and people are uh, very passionate about it. And so there was never any doubt in my mind that things were going to work out as well as they they have. And and it really, it's, it's, we're uh, really lucky that, you know, Cowboy nation is a super part of this, uh, what we're doing right now.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Very, very uh, thrilled that you guys have welcomed us in and uh, are, are adding us to your, your podcast playlist. So just wanted to give a quick thank you to you guys right out of the gate there. Uh, The first thing we're going to touch on today, Brian, is is actually something that our uh, producer here, Peyton Russell, who also works at 105 through The Fan, uh, something that he had uh, brought up earlier this week, and I thought it was a good one for us to touch on, and it's over-under. So what I want to do is I want us to take a look at a few players from the Cowboys and look at their 2021 performance and just kind of figure out on a few narrow topics of their stat line if we think they're going to go over or under that. And I think we can, you know, broaden that out uh, outside of just the statistical category to what it means that we expect from them this year. And so I think everybody is going to, you know, it has all their questions about Dak Prescott and how he's going to perform this year. And so the first one that I wanted to touch on, I was looking through a stat line. I was like 37 touchdowns. That's quite a lot. I mean, if he's over that, then I think you're, you're doing pretty well this season and, and so I you know, I looked at his passer rating, which wasn't so bad, and I looked at a few different things, and I thought, how can we, uh, you know, what's one that might be a good representation of Dak not playing as well last year? Uh, because his stats didn't always seem to indicate how poorly he was playing in the second half of the year. So the one I found was 10.9 yards per completion, and that was tied for the second lowest of his career. He had 11.8 in 2016, 10.8 in 2017, 10.9 in 2018. Then he was... Gangbusters in 2019 with 12.6 yards per completion, and then 12.3 in 2020 before getting hurt. So last year was a definite step back, and I think you saw that in the way that they were kind of calling the offense. Everything was a lot more short yeah. and intermediate. Um, so that 10.9 yards per completion, do you think 2022 Dak Prescott is over or under that?
0: Yeah, I think it's going to be over that. You know, and I'll tell you what, though, I, I've done a lot of you know the uh, the sharp. Uh, numbers and stuff have come out. You know, uh, Warren Sharp and his group have come out with all their numbers and things like that, and, you know, not so much like the projections, but, like, where Dak Prescott was at his best and where he was at his absolute worst. And If you want to really know what Dak Prescott is, you know, there was some problems with him as far as, uh, I think, because of the calf, I think because of the worry because of the, you know, the ankle and stuff like that. I, I think those were all issues for his numbers throwing on from with mobility or for movement, you know, wasn't wor- as good as what we've seen in those previous years we were talking about in 2019 and 2020. So, you know, I, I think that like if you look at his stuff like intermediate or the middle of the field, it the numbers weren't really particularly great for that. But where he was great was down the field, the deep balls. Like he was the fifth best passer in the league when it came to those numbers. And so, I, I see them, you know, taking advantage of some of those things. But I think a healthier Dak Prescott, you know, will. The, I think the mobility numbers, the throwing on the move, I think, you know, working the middle of the field will be a little bit better for him. And I, 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 I see him. I, I, I think you're going to see the the 2019 the 2020 type numbers where it was uh, a 20.6 and, and 20 point, or excuse me, 12.6 and then uh 12.3. And,
1: and I guess, you know, I, I kind of mentioned that it felt like they were, and I don't know what your thoughts are on this. Do you think that was because of the injury that it seemed like the yeah, offense was I really playing? really Because yeah. Kellen Moore definitely was calling things, you know, he's calling a shorter passing game than in years past.
0: Yeah, I think he was calling things a little bit more conservatively when you look at, uh, you know, when you look at that, uh, you know, and and maybe it was about it was maybe it's more about, you know, trying to protect Dak, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, and some of these uh, some of these situations where, you know, let's not make him have to move around in the pocket. Let's not make him have to, you know, do these, you know, do these uh, these things where it might put him in harm's way. So I kind of feel like, though, you know, Kellen Moore, Mike McCarthy, they need to go back. They need to go back to pre-injury Dak in order to, I think, make this team have some offensive success.
1: Next one for you here, another guy on the offense who there's been a lot of discussion about. That's Ezekiel Elliott, and his is pretty basic. I think we're just looking at that 1,002 rushing yards, which – uh, you know, he got basically because they decided to play him in that last game against Philadelphia and really, you know, feed him the ball at the end. Otherwise, he may have been in jeopardy of not reaching that thousand yard rushing mark. Now, obviously, we know he was dealing with the injury last year, the knee injury, and that really slowed him down. He'd started off really, really hot the first four weeks of the season. A uh, thousand two rushing yards, though. You think Ezekiel Elliott goes over or under that in twenty twenty two?
0: You know what? I'm going to say with the questions that they have a little bit with the offensive line until they get that established, you know, it was a struggle to get where he got, but man, he was banged up. I feel like though, that the offensive line will be better. I think they will be, once they figure out what's going on at left guard, right tackle is still going to be a struggle for me. I, and I I get it. Terrence Steele has shown himself to be capable. I just worry about the power there. And I worry about, okay, what's going to happen at point of attack? Uh, you know, if you if you look at the at the Cowboys' point of attack rushes and stuff like that, I mean, that was a that was kind of a struggle for them, you know. If you, you know, overall, if you look at where they ran the ball, you know, it was really inside that was some of their best work last year. It wasn't anything that was going outside. So, and a lot of it has to do because of what's going on, I think, with the with the tight ends at that point of attack. They need to get that. The tackles and the tight ends need to do a little bit better job on that.
1: Ceedee Lamb, uh, now when I was looking at his numbers, I think uh, his numbers are going to go up just based off of the fact that he's, he's going to get number one opportunities now with Amari Cooper gone. And so, I, I mean, I think you're naturally going to see the volume go up. One area where I was kind of looking through a stat line, I was like, all right, here's one that I think we can touch on. Uh, the six receiving touchdowns. He had six last year. He had five as a rookie. Uh, I don't know that he's been their, their, the red zone guy that they they necessarily expected. They used Amari a lot in the red zone. Dalton Schultz was a big red zone target last year, had eight touchdown receptions. Um, for CeeDee Lamb, now that he is the number one guy, do you think he's going to be used more in the red zone, and, and do you see that as an over or under on the touchdowns?
0: Well, if you look, go back again and just kind of I've been digging in on these sharp, you know, these numbers and stuff from what I've seen, you know, Dak Prescott's ability to throw the ball in the red zone was actually, you know, pretty, pretty good. And so if you look at with completion percentages and stuff like that down there, you know, I kind of have the feeling, though, that we'll see that we'll see, you know, Dak have success and see Lamb have some success down there. You know, I, I was I was I was surprised to be honest with you. I really, really was when you look at you know those accuracy numbers that I was talking about, Bobby. You know, down you know down in the red zone. You know, he he was it was not not a bad situation down there. I mean, it was really you know, like he was eleventh in the league, seventy five percent you know completion percentage down there in the red zone. When you start talking about all throws and stuff like that, so. I'm going to say CeeDee Lamb is probably going to have some success down there.
1: Who You know, we saw last year that when Michael Gallup came back, he's obviously their deep ball target, but we saw them use him in the red zone. Some He had that toe-tap touchdown against New Orleans, I think. Uh, With Amari Cooper gone, who Amari Cooper was always really good at getting separation really quickly. That's one of the things that made him a great receiver inside the 10, I think. Um, When you look at this season, who do you think they're going to lean on more Obviously, CeeDee Lamb's the number one, but who do you think they're going to lean on more inside the 10? Is that going to be more a Gallup or a, a Lamb roll, do you think?
0: I think to me, you know, with Gallup, I mean, his ability to go up and get the ball, high point the ball, to be honest with you, I can see Dalton Schultz being involved down here too. Yeah. You know, because, you know, let's go back and remember the days of like when this, when offense, you know, the, during the Jason Garrett administration, Jason Witten was a very good red zone player because he knew how to create space, he knew how to work off coverage, he knew how to kind of find where he needed to be and I could see you know sometimes these tight ends get lost down there. You know they get lost in the flow and delays and things like that. So I could see I could see uh Dalton Schultz ha- being the one that having maybe the most success down in that red zone area.
1: Next one for you, uh, Micah Parsons. And this is one where I think uh, Micah Parsons was great last year, and I, I don't have any doubt that he'll continue to be great. I think you could see him build on last season and be a better player and maybe not put up the same sack numbers and, and not because right. he's performing any worse. So I just I could see the opportunities being a little bit less with Sam Williams here, Dante Fowler, DeMarcus Lawrence. Um, I, I could also see teams really kind of honing in on him and trying to make sure to stop him. But 13 sacks for Micah Parsons. Are you going over or under that in 2022?
0: I'm I'm going to go under on that. I, I think that teams are going to be uh more, I think teams are going to be more conscious of what's going on with him. I think it'll free up some other guys. I you always say that when when a guy has high set now, this is where Dan Quinn, I think, is gonna earn his pay because you can't just line him up on the right side or the left side. I believe seven of his sacks were from the linebacker position yeah, last
1: let's year. Yeah.
0: So I, creativity, if we're talking about creativity on the offense, you better have creativity on the defensive side of the ball. And I think there's some ways that, that Dan Quinn is going to find a way to get Michael Parsons' his sacks. I just don't know if he's going to be able to have the success. He's faced double teams and stuff like that. But 13, I think, is a tall order again this year.
1: Cross from Trayvon Diggs. I know everybody likes to talk about picking on Trayvon Diggs and all the yards he gives up and everything like that. But, I mean, he did have 11 interceptions. Teams were challenging him a lot less in the second half of the season because of that. Um, I, I think that'll probably give Anthony Brown some more opportunities on the ball. So, Anthony Brown's three interceptions last year, which I believe were a career high, uh, are we going over or under? Or maybe a push on that for Anthony Brown in 2022, three interceptions.
0: I think I'm going to go over on that. I think Anthony Brown, I, I'm, I'm not, I'm I'm buying Anthony Brown because I kind of feel like, I kind of feel like when you look at Anthony Brown, you know, other than the first game and other than that that Thanksgiving Day game against the Raiders, I felt like Anthony Brown was outstanding. And it, it whether you like pro football focus or, you know, all that stuff, you know, I think that, you know, that might be something that, you know, they say, hey, well, time's thrown at him, you know, his ability to stay in position, you know, all these metrics that they like to measure these defensive backs on, he was pretty strong in all categories. And I, I'm going to say, you know, he's been one of those guys that every year – it's been one or two interceptions last year, like you said, it was three. I could see him being in a position where maybe he's a guy that gets somewhere between four and six interceptions. Just because I think that he's one of those guys that is an outstanding player in that way. I think he, I think he's got really good ball skills. I think he plays really tight coverage. So yeah, I, I could see him getting somewhere between four and six interceptions this year
1: now the one that i think maybe the most crucial one we've talked about it'll be the final over under for you and this was this is a tough one Brian. tyron smith 11 games played in 2021 wow. are we going over or under in 2022
0: you know what i i the thing that i worry the most about tyron smith is you worry about the back you worry about the neck which i think he's got that kind of fixed but the problem that he the problem that he struggles with is that again that people falling on the ground around him. You know, he can be blocking, then all of a sudden, you know, uh, Tyler Biotis gets knocked to the ground or, or or you know, Travis Frederick, or not so much Frederick, but we'll see what happens at the left guard spot. And all of a sudden, there's, there's bodies on the ground, and then he gets rolled over on. I think that's where there's been some problems, to be honest with you.
1: I'm going to be optimistic, and I'm going to say we get, over 11 games. I don't know.
0: That yeah, I be, think so, too. I don't know I that it'll be so more too. than, like, 13 or 14, so
1: but I, I, I do think, think so that too. I do think that he'll play over. Uh, you're listening to the Love of the Star podcast. I am Bobby Belt, joined, as always, with my uh, co-host, Brian Broadus. Uh The Love of the Star is an Odyssey podcast. You can find it on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, okay, Brian, next I want to cover a little bit of a rundown of of the Cowboys record this season. I want to do it a little differently though. Instead of just going game by game, uh, since, you know, we, we, we have some time limitations here. I I just kind of want to look at them in in blocks throughout the season. And so we're going to go by month here. And then by the end of it, we'll, we'll take a look and see where we have them, uh, as their record, the Cowboys open the season, obviously at home against Tampa Bay. They're then at home against Cincinnati and then they've got a road game against the Giants. That's going to be the September uh, run for them. How do you see them coming out of that uh, stretch of games there? Tampa Bay at home, Cincinnati at home, and the Giants on the road.
0: You know what? I, I think that depending on which way you really want to go, the, the game, I think they honestly have the, the best chance of the first two because both those teams are very difficult to play. I think the Tampa game offers you the opportunity to get that win first. And I'll say this because think of how well the Cowboys played against Tampa on that Thursday night game, you know, where they had really the whole season and the Cowboys didn't even run the ball and Tampa was banged up. I get it in the secondary. There was, you know, Tampa comes back and wins but I kind of felt like that that when you have the whole summer and really training camp to prepare for that first game, if you don't have any injuries, you know but they they play that first game actually without Zach Martin, yeah. you know and and so and that, and they, that was and a. Vid, that was, yeah, and
1: that was Vita so, Vea was a big yeah. impact in that game without yeah. Zach Martin. So
0: I, I I think that to me, I think they get the win against Tampa. They, the Cincinnati game will be tough for them to deal with, and then they'll get the win against the Giants.
1: I, I agree they're two and one. I don't know which of the two games, Tampa and Cincinnati, they win. Um I actually was leaning a little more towards Cincinnati. I, I I like the Bengals. I like what they're building. I like Joe Burrow. I think he's, you know, right around top five quarterback in the league, five to ten quarterback in the league. Um to me though, I just I, I kind of wonder if there's a little bit of a a Cincinnati Super Bowl hangover. You remember how that used to be an issue, where the team right. that lost the Super Bowl had the hangover the next year, and they went on such a magical run. It felt like that. Just, I, I wonder if maybe we saw them a little too early on that stage, and that that's not necessarily going to be predictive of how they are in 2022. So I was leaning towards the Cincy game, but either way, I think they split those Tampa yeah. and Cincinnati, and they uh, beat the Giants on the road. So I'm with you right there, two and one. The October block uh, full with five games this time around. Uh, they start off with Washington at home. They go on the road against the Rams, on the road against the Eagles, at home against Detroit, at home against Chicago. Brian, that five-game stretch there, how do you see them coming out of October?
0: Okay, so you said the the, the game against Commanders is at home. Mm-hmm. The L.A. Rams game's there. The Philly game is at Philly, right? Is, yep,
1: is Rams what, and what Philly on the road, Washington, Detroit, and Chicago at home.
0: Yeah, I, I kind of feel like once again, I, the the I could see them having a problem. I like the I like the fact of them beating the Commanders. I think the Rams is a loss. The Philadelphia game could be a toss-up either way. The fact it's in Philadelphia, uh, I kind of feel like that that will probably be an L right there. And then give me Ws against De- uh, Detroit and Chicago.
1: So you got three and two. Yes. Okay, so I look at this and I feel good again. I, I feel good about Washington, Detroit, and Chicago at home. I think that those are all easily winnable games. The Rams, yeah, I I think that that's going to be a tough matchup for them just because the Rams are incredibly talented. They're very deep. Yeah. Um, that that's going to be tough going on the road, even though L. A. has not proven to be you know this incredible home field advantage for the Rams. The Philly game, I think you're right that that's a little bit of a question. I, I'm going to go ahead and, and put my faith in them beating Philly on the road, though. Okay. And so yeah,
0: – the, the Philly games, I think I think actually all division games are not going to be these walks that we've seen.
1: Like, like last, last year. year. Yeah, running I, through. I,
0: I think it's going to be very competitive football uh, whether and, and even tougher when you have to go to these other venues, uh, to the, the visiting venue.
1: I think that that's a a, a good call there. I I, I would just, I lean, I think these division games are going to be a lot tougher for them this year, but I'm going to lean that they win that Philly one. Uh, So I got them coming out four and one. So you've got them three and two. Uh, And so I've got them coming out of October. They're six and two at that point. And you've got them at five and three. three. November, uh, this is going to be a little bit of a challenging open for them. You go on the road against Green Bay, on the road against Minnesota, and then short week Thanksgiving game at home against the Giants. So three games in November there for you, Brian.
0: Uh I'm gonna they're gonna have to win a game. They're gonna have to win a game that you don't think they're gonna win, you know? And I like them. I'll take them in Green Bay. I'll take Ooh. them. I'll take them in Green Bay. This is it's funny because this is the stretch against the the NFC North. If you yep. look, Detroit, Chicago, Green Bay, Minnesota, I'm going to say that Dak Prescott is going to get a victory a- against Aaron Rodgers and Green Bay. And I'm also going to say that he's going to get a victory against the Minnesota Vikings. So that's going to make them 4-0 and against the NFC North. I, I think they're going to have to find a way to make up some ground somewhere. And then I also like them getting the W against – uh, the New York Giants.
1: Wow, undefeated month for Brian Broadis there. Yeah. Okay, I'm gonna be. Uh, I, I was you know Bobby Sunshine in October. I'm gonna I guess take it a little bit uh more modeling here in November. Uh, I've got on the road at Green Bay as a loss. because um, okay. I think that that's you know notoriously a difficult place to play. I think there's gonna be a lot of motivation on Aaron Rodgers' part to beat Mike McCarthy right. back in Green Bay. Uh, so give me the Packers there. And then the following week, having to pay, play those back-to-back road games, Minnesota is not an easy place to play, and they've won three they, straight.
0: Dak, but they've won twice. They, won they they've, won three, they've, they've won three. They've won three in a row there. Year.
1: Yeah, they've won three in a row there because Dak did it in 2016. Right. Then they won in 2020 and 2021. That's the thing. Right. I think. I think like you're. You're. I just think it's really tough that you win four straight on road trips to Minnesota, and you know they they've got weapons there in Minnesota, and so. I, I'm leaning towards that one being back to back road losses, and then they clean things up with a win over the Giants. And so I think that they enter the December January stretch run uh at what do I have in there now? Seven and four. Uh, yep. which is you've got them actually better. You've got them at eight and three at this point. Yep. So uh I, I think seven I, I think either way, if they were seven and four or eight and three heading into December, you'd feel pretty good about the Cowboys yep. chances, wouldn't you? Yep. All right, December, January, I'm going to mold these two together because the there's only one January game. And so we've got the final six games of the season here. And, you know, there, there could be some challenging games here, but I think overall this looks like there's some easy maneuvering for them here because they've got Indy, which will be tough. They've got Houston at home, which is shouldn't be that difficult. On the road against Jacksonville, I don't think that's going to be difficult. You get Philly, but it's Philly at home this time around. On the road against Tennessee, that's obviously a difficult game. Then on the road against Washington, uh, which, I mean, we'll see where Washington is, how they've progressed. But Dak Prescott has a a pretty good track record against Washington, whether it's in Arlington or or whether it's in uh, D.C. So, Brian, in this last six-game cluster here, home against Indy, home against Houston, on the road against Jacksonville, home against Philly, on the road against Tennessee, and on the road against Washington, where do you see the Cowboys at here?
0: This is going to sound really crazy. But they're going to lose the game to Indianapolis, I think. They're going to beat the uh, the Texans. I think you're right about the Houston Texans. They're going to lose to Jacksonville. Oh, there's my gonna gosh. Be, <laughs> there's going to be the one game. There's going to be that one game where it's that stinker, like we weren't ready to play. We thought, oh, we thought Jacksonville, we were going to roll over them and all that. I can see, and it's a week before the Philly game, and maybe the conversation turns into, well, what's at hand for the division? What do they got to do to win the division? How are they going to do, you know? And so I have a feeling that Jacksonville game is going to be what they call that trap game where all of a sudden maybe Jacksonville isn't playing great and you're kind of on a little bit of a roll, but you lose a game that you should win. Winning, they're going to win a game they shouldn't at Green Bay – they're going to lose a game they shouldn't in Jacksonville. That's kind of what I was thinking right there. I like them beating. I like them beating Philly uh, at uh, at home. I think they lose to Tennessee, and I think they beat Washington.
1: Okay, so you've got them three and three for the month. Yes, I do too. I'm going to pick different games though, and so I've got them finishing uh, ten and seven. That means you've got them finishing eleven and six. I think Indy at home is a loss. Indy's very, very talented. Yeah. Um. I think that that's going to be a, a tough game there. Although, you know, uh, Dan Quinn's shown that he's got a pretty good handle on Matt Ryan, and so maybe that gives them an advantage. I think they beat Houston at home. I, I just I don't think they can lose to Jacksonville on the road. Uh, it's, NFL's a, I always say I, this.
0: NFL's a strange lady. She just is. From, you, you know, all you think because the game is the week before the Philly game. Yeah, they could, could overlook be, it. And that could be a look-ahead game. We weren't concentrating. We were thinking about other things. So I think that might be one of those crazy, bad, bad Cowboy games, you know, that you, that you get down there.
1: So I think they start off the month 2-1. and one. They lose to Indy, beat Houston, beat Jacksonville. I think they lose to Philly at home. They split the Philly games. Um, I think they lose on the road to Tennessee, and then I think they finish out uh, with a victory over Washington. And so I've got them at 10 and 7. You've got them at 11 and 6. 11 and 6, Brian brought us. Is that good enough to win the NFC East, do you think?
0: I think it is. I think it is. I've kind of struggled between 9 and 10 games, you know, then win for the win. But like I said, once you look at the schedule the way it is, I'm thinking, what are those games where they're going to be way up? They're going to have – every year you've got to win some games that nobody thought you were going to win, sure. you know? I like mean, going, beating Tampa Bay, uh, beating uh, beating Green Bay, winning in Minnesota, you know, you're going to have to win some games along the way that, uh, you know, people didn't think you were going to win. But then again, that also leaves you open to maybe losing a game that somebody thought that you might not lose. And that's why I think that that Jacksonville one could be a little bit crazy for you.
1: Absolutely, and I think at ten and seven, even I still think that might be enough to win the division for you.
0: I know ten and seven is going to be close. I mean, I think eleven and six gets it done because I think that I think that uh, that Philadelphia could damn well be ten and seven. You know, I, I think the division is going to be close. I really, really do.
1: I do. I do too. I do think there's been a little bit of an overselling of how hot everybody thinks Philadelphia is right now. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's a good football team, but. I don't trust that quarterback, and, and I don't think sure. they've made enough wholesale changes to all of a sudden be some dominant football team that they absolutely were not last year. And right. so, uh, I, I mean, I, feel, I think 10-7, and seven, especially going 5-1 and one in the division, you just lose one to Philly. I think 10-7 and seven might be able to do it. Uh, but either way, I, I think we we definitely are talking about a team that's going to be firmly in playoff contention, if not assuredly there. Uh, you're listening to The Love of the Star. I'm Bobby Belt uh, alongside Brian Broadus. I love the Stars and Odyssey podcast. You can find it on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. And it is time for Bobby Belt and Brian Broaddus. I just went third person. I hate that. Bobby Belt and Brian Broaddus' favorite segment, and that is your mailbag questions from Twitter.
0: With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them.
1: All right, Brian, so our first question is coming from Astute Fanatic on Twitter. And I thought this was kind of an interesting exercise that we can get into here. He says, who on the team has the highest trade value of the players the front office would consider trading, i.e. not CD, Dak, Parsons? So I think that that's interesting because obviously, yeah, they're not going to trade Dak, they're not going to trade Parsons, they wouldn't trade Diggs. But I think even some other guys, like, I don't believe they would want to trade Terrence Steele, even even if they did give him some competition and move Tyler Smith over there and play in right tackle, I think they know Tyron Smith's time is short. So even though there may be better players on the roster, I don't know that they would be as willing to trade a guy like Terrence Steele. But I kind of wonder, in an offensive line-starved league, Terrence Steele stepping up the way he did uh, in recent years and being as cheap as he is and as controllable as he is for the next little bit, I kind of wonder what you could get in return if you did decide – hey, we can start ty- Tyler Smith at right tackle, Tyron at left, and we can move on from Terrence Steele. I kind of wonder if you could get some good compensation for him.
0: What kind of compensation could you get for Tyron Smith?
1: I So, you know, I've been talking about this with you for, for two, three years.
0: Because I, I, I know for a fact, like my gang of seven, You know I've asked them, what could you get for Tyron Smith? Yeah. And like two teams told me a two. Couple teams told me a three. Another guy said, "Ah, he's probably a fourth round guy right now with how banged up he is." But I had two teams tell me second round picks.
1: I I, I would I would lean. I was before you said anything. I was thinking third, probably. Yeah,
0: that's because I, I think that's where the average where people probably think for Tyron Smith. What, what do so, you think?
1: Do you think somebody would give you a second round pick for Terrence Steele?
0: I had two teams tell me two pretty prominent teams tell me. They think this compensation would be a second-round pick for Steele. Uh, no, excuse me, Tyron Smith.
1: What, what do you think, Tyron Steele could get you? Do you think you could get a second uh, from a team for Steele?
0: Because... I know one team. I know one team that thought that 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 Terrence, uh Terrence Steele was better than Lyle Collins. Yeah, that they like this was a team. This was a team that played Dallas during the year, and they got to see. Tyron Smith or Smith, uh, Terrence Steele play and they up close, and they thought he was better than Lyle Collins.
1: So that that's is that feasible then? Terrence Steele a second? you think he could say young, oh, controllable? I, I don't know if
0: it's a second. I I, I, just,
1: I think you might be able to, Brian. Yeah, it's an offensive line starved league.
0: If you're getting a, if you're getting a two two and a three from Tyron Smith, I, I man, I. I don't know. I, who, I would say uh, would you, I would say I would say maybe I would say maybe a fourth on that one.
1: Okay. Do you? And is there anybody else along the offensive or defense side of the ball that like like could they get anything? Do you think for Anthony Brown? Now, Anthony Brown's entering the last year of his contract, so that may not be worth it to a team. But is there anybody that else could outside a fourth
0: round pick? I mean, but if you look at people who trust Pro Football Focus and stuff. He's one of the top-rated corners. Yeah, no, he is. You're telling me I could maybe give, a, give up a third-round pick for a guy for a great contract for one year and then sign him for, you know, try and sign him long-term, you know? I mean, I would give you I would give you a, a third-round pick knowing I had a veteran player out there that could play outside and inside and, and runs as well as he does. Now, I mean, I, I'm the one who told you four to six interceptions – yeah, just, third round pick. That's 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 a damn good value right there.
1: Just, just for fun, he said realistic. But I'm curious, what do you think is that? What what do you think you could get back for CD, Dak, or Parsons? I think you get a. I think you would get a. One, I think you could get a one and a three for Parsons.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, you could probably get more than that. You think
1: you? Could, what did Jamal Adams get? Two ones. Two ones. So yeah, you could probably get two ones. I think you get
0: two ones at the minimum there for sure quarterbacks what uh
1: two three ones for a quarterback
0: I, I think mean what you're did, a, did you're looking at multiples would you get a would you get you get a one for sure what was our last quarterback that was dealt I'm trying Watson. to Watson I mean, who was at, it? out
1: of the big quarterbacks it was Deshaun Watson
0: now what did they give up for him
1: that, well they they paid through the nose for it but the right. uh the trade was—I'm trying to remember—three first-round picks and yeah. a, a third and a fourth rounder. So I think you could get three ones for Dak because you got to remember well, there's also get, all the off- at least get two, at two least get
0: two. two and a two. Probably. Could you could yeah.
1: you get a one for a, a minimum one for all those guys though? Do you think CD Dak and Parsons?
0: Yeah, I think I think, I think so. so. I mean, Hollywood Brown went for a one. Yeah. I mean,
1: yeah, I, I, I agree with that. I do think that you'd get a one for CeeDee Lamb as well. Uh, next question here from uh, at Cowboys underscore burner. How would the Cowboys season have to go up until the trade deadline for the team to, to decide to go all in and acquire serious talent to make a run this year? Or do you think they are resigned to let it play out as is? I think this is an interesting question because usually
0: what's all, what's, what's all in. See, that's the thing.
1: I, I think that this the NFL operates very differently from the NBA and the MLB. Yeah. Where it's yeah. like, hey, we're, we're kind of here. Usually a team going all in and making a big trade is for a team that's desperate and they're not playing yeah. well. Whereas in baseball and yeah. basketball, it's usually a sign of you're competitive. And so I, I, I don't see them really making a big splash trade unless, like we talked about, they get through the first few weeks and that receiver core just looks really bad.
0: If they if they get to that, you know what, they might do this. If they get through those first several weeks, the receiver core is bad. And I, I mean, it, they don't think it's salvageable and they were just going to wait it out. They might think, why would we give up a maybe a top, maybe a top ten pick for you know something that might not help us at all. Yeah, you know, I mean, if you get to the point where the wide receivers look bad, but Dak's not playing great, the offensive line's not playing great, I'm not giving up. I'm not giving up a, a potential top ten pick to just tread water. You know what I'm saying? I, I don't know about. I mean. I think they're going to have to identify it very early. You know, I'm not waiting four or five weeks or right at the trade deadline to try and get somebody. I'm, I'm now they waited until they were three and five. I mean, they were what three, they were three, three, and, three four. and four. Yeah. Three and, yeah. So I don't know if you want to do that again, because that thing looked like it potentially at one point, that was a top 10 pick. Yeah. It was going to the Raiders. Yeah. And then it ended up being, it turned things around. You know, but I don't know. That's a that's a great question because I don't. I just don't. I kind of feel like though that I think they need to react more sooner than they do later.
1: If you were given the option, say the compensation was the same, would you rather pursue DK Metcalf or Debo Samuel for this team?
0: Okay, you know, you got to think about where's Dak really done a great job, ball going downfield. I mean, deep ball throws, stuff like that.
1: DK giving separation, him some separation. Yeah.
0: Downfield. Down, I, I think I'd go DK Madcap myself. I do too. If, Maybe. If it would help my quarterback. I mean, because Samuel's stuff is all underneath and stuff, and we've talked about that that's been a little bit of a struggle for Dak right
1: now. Yeah, I think that – and, and I think that would be a struggle for Kellen Moore. Like, Kellen Moore would have to know how to use Debo yeah. Samuel, and so I think that that would be a challenge. He doesn't even know how to
0: use Tony Pollard, <laughs> yeah. you know, or CeeDee Land. Yeah, C- exactly. Lane. I yeah.
1: Mean, so I, I think I'd go DK Metcalf there as well. Yeah. Uh, question from Wilson. How can we protect ourselves from major injury this season? It feels like we don't have great depth anywhere on this team. I thought this was a good question to ask because obviously injuries are fluky, but – People think seem to think we, we hate on Mike McCarthy too much. I wanted to say that I do think, and we talked about this earlier today on the G Bag Nation, yeah. I think yeah. Mike McCarthy does do a great job of trying to make sure his players, and, and gives his players every opportunity to stay healthy throughout the season.
0: Trainers absolutely love Mike McCarthy. I asked him myself, I said, what's up with all the, you know, not practicing and how to practice? And the trainers looked at me and said, Brian, this is the best we've ever had it. This guy honestly cares about the players. He honestly cares how they practice. They honestly, he looks after them. That's why they look. Now, some guys will tell you around the league, my gang of seven guys, they'll ask me this question. They go, hey, I watched the Cowboys tape the other day. Do they practice down there? (laughs) And I'm like, yeah, they practice, but maybe not like you think practice should be.
1: No, but I, I just wanted to give kudos to Mike McCarthy because that is a thing we consistently yes, hear from people that the he preserves. Trainers health. love him. The yep.
0: Cowboys' trainers absolutely love Mike McCarthy.
1: Next question here from Clay Slocum, and I think this is a good one because you can cut at it from a few different angles. Brian, would you rather have a career year in twenty twenty two from Demarcus Lawrence, Ezekiel Elliott, or Tyron Smith? Wow. I you, well, you think about think it. I'm
0: going to say I'm going to say career year from Zeke. I agree. I agree. I think you got to run the ball. I think you have to have balance. I really, I mean, I'm not saying crusty run the ball, yell at the clouds guy. <laughs> I'm saying you've got to have better balance. Because look what happened last year with Dak in those first eight games when they were averaging like 140, 150 yards. Look how much better the team played. Look how much better Dak played. So I would rather have the runner be. 2016 runner if you could
1: so give me that so i am i'm cheating a little bit because i'm gonna pick zeke Um, too i know i'm picking zeke too but i'm cheating because i'm saying if zeke is having a career year that means the offensive line is blocking better so i can i can i can double dip and say tyron smith and everybody's probably blocking pretty well if the running backs picking up 1700 yards so right. that's how I'm cheating there, and I'm going to say Ezekiel. But I honestly think if you got a career year out of any of those three guys, DeMarc Lawrence, You'd Ezekiel, and Smith, yeah. not only would you be happy, you will be a better football team this year than you, you were last year. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh question from at Luis underscore Moreno 85. With defenses trending towards too high looks, besides CeeDee Lamb, who is the player best suited to run the backside dig route?
0: You know, I mean – I think that you would think with Gallup, you know, would be the next best guy.
1: He's so vertical so, though.
0: Yeah, but he but you know what? That's what I'm saying, you sell the vertical and then you take it you take it, you know. You take that dig route. I mean, I and you, Do you think I, Tolbert I would, could be that guy? Cuz he cause like I say give me the guy that could get you get him off you and then get to the ball. I think that I think that's I think that's Michael Gallup. But the problem is, Gallup will fight the ball sometimes,
1: man. Yeah. Yep. He will
0: fight that ball. I mean, he—it's so not Terrence Williams bad fight it, but you'll see him fight it a little bit.
1: Yeah, it, it happens occasionally, and he's improved on that over the years. His rookie year it was really rough, and and that's progressively gotten a little better. But it's yeah. definitely still a fight. From
0: do you well, see with Tolbert? We might I, be Tolbert. I, you I know, I mean,
1: yeah. Am I crazy, Brian, yeah. for thinking? And I understand it's a—it's a, a big ask. But and this is not a slight to Michael Gallup at all. I think Michael Gallup's a really good player. I think Jalen Tolbert has a realistic shot to have a better career than Michael Gallup. I think Jalen Tolbert's really, really talented. I
0: I, I don't I, I I think there's some special qualities about about Gallup. I think there's some absolute special qualities. But I'm very fascinated to see what Tolbert can do. I really am. Last
1: question here from Joe T, and he asks, and this is a loaded question, Brian. In your opinion, What's the number one reason we have been in a 25-year drought and how can it be corrected?
0: I was very, very critical of Jason Garrett for 10 years. Mm-hmm. And so I don't think they've hired the right coach. And I think that's hurt them. I think that, you know, they went with one coach way too long and they and they didn't take the chance or, the, or they didn't take the opportunity to interview a guy after him they just what did they, they you know? They talked to two guys, one guy, and that was it. You know where I felt like they could have dug in a little more, and but we'll see. We'll see. You know now they got Dan Quinn in the building. That they know him. We'll see what the Sean Payton situation leads to be someday. You know maybe maybe not, but I think that really if you look at overall. I think coaching has held this team back in a lot of ways. And maybe, maybe this wasn't always the toughest team too. Yeah, Maybe this wasn't always the most physical and toughest team. You know, I thought in 2014, when they ran the ball the way they did, they were a really physical team, you know, with DeMarco Murray. And then, but their defense wasn't any good. It was bad. It was a bad defense. Bad defense. So I kind of wish that they get back to that 2016 with Dak help him have the running game, be physical, defense plays well, you know, and they can win some of these games. But I think I think going with Jason Garrett as long as they did might have you know, that's that's ten years, right? Yeah. Ten years. Honestly,
1: Honestly, I like I said, I think it's a little bit of a loaded answer because I think you have to look at it segmented. Like I think that the the first, you know, several years of that drought, it's obviously a lot of front office mismanagement and and there was poor drafting and there were, there were all those issues. And then I think that, you know, when you transitioned over Bill Parcells was the right coach for the right time. But I, I mean, I think that there were ways that he held them back near the end of his tenure. Yeah. Um, And then I think that, you know, honestly, their best chance I think for uh, a shot at the title was, I know everybody complains about 2014 and man, you could have beat green Bay and everything like that. I think the 2017 was so, so good. And, and they really, they blew that opportunity. Greg Ellis told me that uh, he came back after his retirement a few years later, and he was talking to Tony Romo on the field and they were just both still heartbroken, like 10 years later talking about, man, that you're
0: right. You can go all the way back. Like when I was here for the Dave Campbell administration, it was bad. That was mismanagement, bad front office mismanagement. Parcells cleaned things up. I think they had a little bit better direction of what they wanted to go Putting Will McClay at, at in, in in the primary chair there to be that guy. I no offense to Tom Saskowski or Jeff Ireland or anybody else, Larry Lacewell that sat in that chair before. But Will has done a really, really good job. He's given him a lot of stability. But I think if you look at really the last like 13 years, there's been there's been some head coaching fault going on right now. You know. They're, they're- the, Let's be honest. Mike McCarthy lied to you his first year. Yeah, you know, I mean, he, he talked he about innovation, <laughs> I, and I don't need to hear pandemic crap. Yeah, nobody wants to hear that. Everybody was in a bad spot. You had the best facility in the league to handle and keeping your team from getting sick, and your team could completely fell apart. I get it. Your quarterback got hurt. I get it, but I mean, pandemic plan and all. I mean. I, I hope they have their eyes open there over there now you know I don't, this thing turns into nine and eight or eight and nine and then make the playoffs and all that with the rosters that they have I hope they make a change. I really really do.
1: I think there's gonna be big trouble there if they do that uh, All right thanks for your questions this week uh, Brian, thanks so much uh, again for joining me here and uh, you know I, I, I really enjoy doing this with you and, and soon enough we'll, we'll have real football to talk about not not just uh you know what ifs and things like that yeah
0: yeah well no bobby and i really i love doing these things with you as well uh i love the questions the interaction i hope we educate i'm really excited two weeks from tuesday going to oxnard you and i chopping it up watching practice talking to people it should be a lot of fun the podcast i promise you will be even better and we appreciate everybody hanging with us for sure
1: absolutely hope you guys can stick with us through up into training camp and beyond we'll talk to you again later this week